Well, welcome back to our podcast. And as we've unpacked a few different conversations, one of the things we've been talking to off talking about off the air is um, how you may not agree with us. And so we want to play a little game. This will be a shorter segment, but sort of I call BS is the name of the game here. Because we understand you may disagree with us. We're not perfect. Um, but we want to unpack. I know. I know. What? You've you've gotten to know me over a series of podcasts now. I'm sure you think I'm perfect, but I'm a flawed, flawed individual. So we're going to be playing a game called IBS, and so I want to bring up a handful of different things that were said and say baloney. So, um... (laughs) Say bull sand. (laughs) Bull marky. So, first thing I want to do, and I, I think this could be probably the more hot button so i'm going to do this one first all right so i want to you've heard some different viewpoints on this you've heard the conversation around micro church and small church being the same thing small group small group mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> like i said church means <laughs> <small church. laughs> like i said we we're are playing a game about we're our playing <laughs> But um, that the, the phrase BS was thrown out there when we were off the air, and so I want to unpack that a little bit. What, is, what the heck is a microchurch? Go, Mike. Yeah. Microchurch is uh, not a inward focused Bible study type of group, but it's a, a family of people who are committed to Jesus at the, at the center of who they are, where they find their their identity, why they gather as a as a family, and they're sent by Jesus into the world to be good news. So and differentiate that for me. So you're saying some really cool things, but a lot of people are still hearing them and be like, "That's my small group. What's what's different?" Yeah, I mean, if you have a small group that is not just a weekly meeting, but the people are in tight knit relationship with each other, they become like family. And they're living out their faith on the mission of Jesus in their neighborhood. Not not just an inward focus kind of deal, but they're out engaging the brokenness of, of their neighborhood regularly. They, they live in, in connection and in relationship with lost people together. They s- specifically see themselves as called as sent missionaries um, into whatever mission field, whatever group of people that they feel called to or place that they feel called to. Do you agree with that? I do. I'd go a little step further just simply Ooh. saying that. Well, no, no. I, I, One I, I, step uh, further. Allow me to elaborate. I'll probably go a step further after that. <laughs> the idea would be is if you have a small group, but it is operating in the context of what describes a church in the book of Acts, then mm. then you've got a micro church. The idea is what separates a, if a small group does not reflect the... Uh, for example, if you're not having communion in the small group, if you're not doing some of these things, um, it would uh, it would not be a microchurch. But the the microchurch would be if you have two or three people, and you are actually living. So you're out. saying two or three people as a church. Well, your listeners are going to go. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. They're going to hear that. And they're going to be like baloney. Where two or three are gathered, there I am also. Truth. So we'll start there. But the idea is. Is if you're living in a context of are you worshiping together? Are you caring for each other as a family? And are you living outward in uh, in mission into the community? Then by definition, you're a church. Yeah. So I think I think what we're what we're doing though is like we're so used to the construction of church being a building, 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a series of tests that take place on a single day, mm-hmm. and you're just changing the conversation for us. Sure, sure. And I you mean, you could have you could have two hundred people and not devote yourselves to prayer, breaking a bread. Uh, mission together and just simply sit and listen to a lecture, call yourself a church. And I'd say that's not a legitimate expression of what we see in Acts 2. That's or, or you could, you could be four, you could be 40, but if you're, if you're centering your life around Jesus and his mission and really experiencing more than just a meeting, but becoming a family together. So, so in hearing those things, I, th- I feel like we've got a better idea now of what a microchurch is, but it, you sort of press me into the next one, right? And so I want, I want to ask you a question. Are you are you critical of megachurches? I'm critical of microchurches and megachurches. You're and, speaking and, and every out church. of both sides of your <laughs> mouth, sir. I, I, I think it's important to critique our forms, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we're constantly asking the question of, are we effectively seeing people become like Jesus, understand their gifts, and live out the calling that God's placed on their life in the world? And if, if you can experience family, become like a family with other believers, live on mission together, be empowered and sent in your gifts and callings, and, and do, as Stephen said, if you're experiencing what you see in Acts, I don't care what size you are. But really? it, but if because it seems like you're you're coming you're coming at it with well, an angle. I think there's a challenge. If you have a, a couple thousand people, it's hard to be a family. You, you end up having churches within a church. So you get um, this is why mega churches have all kinds of small groups because they go people need to feel connected. They've got to be a part of a family. So there's a natural disconnect. That not that they're not that the large church is wrong, but there's a natural disconnect that sort of works itself out of what the church was originally I think the mega be. church the mega church the the attraction is the Sunday event mm-hmm. and let's 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 be honest the Sunday event is a teaching singing prayer uh, a Sunday school class everything squeezed into into one hour two hours a Sunday morning and then there's a group maybe in in the during the week um, reverse that and a microchurch the attraction is the relationship it is the um the actual family connection that people feel that they're drawn into i agree with mike it's much harder for a mega church to i'm not saying that it's it's not successful or that it's not bearing fruit but it's a lot harder for it to actually function and to be able to Activate disciples and sit and see every person living into their ministry, uh, in into the community, up in and out. Yeah, I, I, I like to think I like to think about it this way: when you when you take a circle like a, a pie and you cut this little sliver in the corner, you can put the um, initial M in the middle and I up in the corner, right? And so I in the corner stands for initiation, and so you have this giant pie. And initiation for the kingdom and for Jesus and for the gospel and for each other is just this little teeny sliver. And then in in the rest of the pie is this idea of like, we have to take care of ourselves, right? Like our modes must be cared for first. And what I like the idea is like sort of switching those two. Mm-hmm. And so issue, initiation becomes that whole piece of mm-hmm. the pie. Mm-hmm. And then the modes that we use are much smaller mm-hmm. and they're flexible to the different pieces that right. we have. It's interesting in, in, in my church, uh, 
the when a, when somebody refers to refers to the church, they're referring to their micro church. They're referring to the small. They're group, not referring not referring to the big one, uh, which I'm okay with that. So so in all of this conversation, are you devaluing the role of the pastor? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I, I, the, the tension is no, no, no. I no. But I guess here's the thing. Uh, let's remember that the pastor is one of many spiritual gifts. Okay. How and and of course we we you know we can argue whether you have one gift, two gifts, all that. But we expect the pastor to be the shepherd, the teacher, the leader. I mean, I can go on and on, and that starts to drift away from the idea of the body of Christ being many different, many different people. So yeah, I devalue the role of the pastor in the sense that the pastor is doing too much, hmm. and because we put that expectation on him or her, and I don't, I don't think that that's the way it was intended to be. I think, uh, I think it's a mistake to assume that pastor equals paid leader of a church. Which is what so many people think a pastor is right. in America, mm-hmm. paid leader of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, if we think of pastor as one of the callings for people to live into, then you may have 40, 50 people in your church of 150 and th- that are shepherds, that are pastors. And so if you have 40, 50 people that are shepherding 150 people, you get a lot of people very well cared for. Yes. So I, <clears throat> I don't know that it's uh, devaluing um, pastor as much as it's uh, raising up a whole bunch of pastors and valuing all of them and saying all of them matter to care for and support and show love to the larger body. And here's a disclaimer: none of us consider ourselves to be to possess the pastoral gift. Right. So, um, but we are grateful for those that do, and that's why it, in in a in a micro church concept, in a micro, even a network of micro churches, you have shepherds in those groups, and are at least from my perspective, I'm leading that, and I'm I model that to the best of my ability, but uh, ultimately, the goal is not for me to have a paid position with the church as as the senior guy. Yeah, I went. I went to visit a family that that's a part of one of our micro churches at the hospital not long ago. And when I got there, four different people from their micro church had already been there to visit them. Nice. And I just think that's beautiful because it's the pastors or the shepherds of those micro churches that are doing their job and supporting and caring for the people that are a part of their family. So. Um, in hearing these things, <clears throat> are you pro church planting or cause, cause this is like a church planting podcast, <laughs> right? And I'm just, is these are the different things I've heard come out. Whoa, and so, just, you know, and, you and, and plus I'm using, I'm using other conversations we have <laughs> off the record and it's like, I'm a church planter. It's right? not on your sheet, Tim. I, I know. <laughs> I feel like he just pulled the pin on the grenade and holding it like so. so. But, but so, like, to make those comments, I want to yeah. be like, BS. That's. Yeah. And so, like, hopefully there's a tension here. Yeah. That's healthy that we can talk about now so that other people, because this is something God calls us mm-hmm. into. I do not believe that. 
um, traditional church planting. Uh, let me preface it that way. Traditional church planting says uh, you need to get as many people together that are already Christians and get a, a really good core. I was even told uh, early on in my in my church planting days uh, to launch large. Well, the way you launch large is to gather as many Christians as possible. You've already created the idea of an inward of an inward. Um, Focus. Yeah, you're already, and you're also already a bunch of transfers at that point. Exactly. That's not, not good. Yeah. You're, you're, how are you impacting your community? Exactly. Yeah. So, but to grow something out of the critical harvest, mass. Exactly. That's what it was. But to grow something out of the harvest, that's hard. That mm-hmm. is really hard. But it's much more valuable because these people are simply going to reproduce what happened to them, and so they're living outward. And they are in, they are they're not just inviting friends into the church, but they're being the church wherever they are. So they see themselves as an extension of that. That's when you put disciple making in front of church planting, you get it right. If you put church planting in front of disciple making, you're going to run into trouble. Well, I think I think that's the thing we need to to um, unpack. Like right, mm-hmm. like we're not saying church planting is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just rethinking the way we. Th- we process it. We go about it. Somebody said, I'm, I'm not sure if it was Breen or Hirsch or who said it, but they made the statement that in America, we don't plant churches. We plant Sunday services. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I thought, yeah, that's that's spot on. Mm-hmm. That's spot on. And if instead we thought about what if we went and lived amongst a group of people that became friends and saw some of our friends that we care about come to faith. And then taught them how to live the ways of Jesus along with us. And then to go out and see some of their friends brought into community, come to faith, and then disciple them. Um, Isn't that what we were called to do? Yeah. Instead of simply plan a church service and call it a church. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't think, I mean, we're not critical in the sense that God can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, God. God can work through a mega church. I, I. I don't get to. I don't get to make that call, and I shouldn't make that judgment. But if I go back to the Book of Acts, and or even read through the Gospels, how Jesus was operating, and then seeing that expressed in the in the first days of the church, we see a model there. Now, I, and and some people would say that that Acts is uh, descriptive, not prescriptive. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, I see something there that any person could do if they simply lived into it. And it makes sense to me that way. But I don't think ever our goal should ever be the church. The church is the result of disciple making. Yeah, I, I remember. So we made this mistake, right? So we're a church plant and mm-hmm. we're trying to figure everything out. And what does it look like? <clears throat> and so early on, you know, we're we're starting to grow a little bit and we're about 15 people and we think we've got it all together. So we find this space in the community. We're like, we've got it. We've nailed it. Mm -hmm. And we put a ton of effort into the service and everything. And I remember we walked, we walked away from that first Sunday. Mind you, we had a contract now for six months, (laughs) once a month to be in the space. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, well, that sucked. Yeah. Because we realized the mistake we'd made, right? Like, instead of asking the question, what does Summersworth need? Um, we just did what we wanted, what we knew. Like, we default to what we know. Mm-hmm. And it became a really apparent to us mm-hmm. that, 
okay, we need to back away from this. And so we did. Like, we backed away. We did. We paid for it, but we didn't even utilize it going yeah. forward. And we really became, all right, we need to first focus on what our community needs right. to become the church right. that Jesus wants here. And I think that's that's what we're pressing yeah. towards, right? Like this idea of church planting in itself right. isn't wrong. No, I think I think the I think the Christian community is so resistant to critiquing itself and its forms, and we've got to become more comfortable with questioning: Is this effective? Is this fruitful? Is this what God has called us to? Are we making disciples? Are we reaching the lost? Is this program necessary? We've we've got to be comfortable with asking those type of questions instead of saying, oh, they stepped on my toes. I didn't like that. I'm kind of ticked off. What did they say about what I'm doing here? Mm-hmm. And it, if, if I'm not willing to hear you say, okay, Mike, how is a micro church an actual church? Mm-hmm. You know, how are these people actually being discipled? Um, how do you train them up properly? How do you, you know, address areas of sin and brokenness and church discipline and all that kind of stuff. Those are questions that need to be asked so that we can process, are we doing what God's called us to do as a church? And if we get all bent out of shape because somebody challenges us, um, we're, we're not teachable then. We're not growing. And we, we've got to be a community where we can do that back and forth. I talk about as you offend, like with our church body and like with my elders in particular, I always talk, teach them like as you offend because you will. Mm-hmm. Offend in love. Mm-hmm. Because, and if we understand that, like, we're unified as, like, God's church, mm-hmm. like, there will be an offense that takes place. Mm-hmm. But if there, if it's done in love, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can process the dar- oh. the dark, deepest, darkest things together. Mm-hmm. You, and you can, can celebrate the great riches together. You can criticize and edify mm. at the same time. Yep. But you, you hit the nail on the head, and that is love is the glue between those two things. You're acting out of love, so I'm gonna. We, we need to ask. We're gonna criticize this, and let, or critique it. Critique Maybe that's a, is yeah, yeah, I would say, there. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, uh, we're gonna critique this and be honest. We're just gonna be honest, and but the goal is to be as fruitful as we possibly can be, mm. and I think that's the, people do this in other areas, right? So, uh, NFL offensive coordinator and head coach. They love to critique their offenses and is this offense effective and are we moving the ball? Are we scoring points? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And in the same way that the church world, we've got to be able to ask, is this effective? Are we making disciples? Are we seeing people that are far from Jesus brought around the table? Is the gospel transforming our community? Those are questions that have to be asked and we should, in the same way, coaches can sit here and go, is the offense working? <laughs> right. We've got to be able to ask those same types of questions. Is, is our process for disciple making working? Mm-hmm. And adapt. I mean, the greatest football of all time, the New England Patriots, uh, have, oh have been able to do this. Just bear with me, though. But they've been able to do this over and over and over because they never rest on their laurels. Whether or not you hate the Patriots, Tom Brady, or whatever, you want to call them cheaters, because I know you do deep down. But they never rest on their laurels. They're constantly looking and evaluating, looking at new strategy, looking at other strategy and saying, well, that's effective over there. Why don't we take that game plan on? And they don't care whether or not they win by 10 or they win by 35, their, their objective stays the same and they're pressed on mission together. Mm-hmm. And I think like if we're willing to take on that mentality and crit- critique everything, look at every angle of everything, 
I, I don't care who reaches who for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you go about it as long as you're still reaching them for Jesus because the objective is that they learn about who he is and what he has done for them. For, for too many of us, our identity is tied to um, our church. Hmm. And so if you attack my church in the way that I'm leading my church, right, that's, that's how people think about it, um, then it's an attack against who I am. But if instead you say, I'm a child of God, I'm loved by the Father, I'm secure in Christ, and I want other people to experience Jesus and his kingdom and family and freedom and the gospel, um, then you're willing to, to, you're, you're willing to personally question all your forms. Yeah, I agree. I think also a lot of us struggle because we inherited this. We inherited a lot of these mindsets. It's all we've known. And so as a result, it's hard for us to change. Like you said, our identity gets wrapped up in that. It's like, well, uh, especially with, with churches that have that have a history. And it's like, well, this is the way, you know, of course, the, the famous, you know, um, statement, well, this is the way we've always done it, you know. Even though it may not be working, even though it may not be bearing fruit, it Don't may. Don't they be... joke that church plans say that week too? <laughs> well, last week we last did it week this did, way. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think it's. I, I I say this with a lot of compassion to to those who are feeling stuck, and uh, because they, they, it's hard for them to change directions. I say that with great compassion because I've I've been in those environments before, um, but. You, you it, it's only going to change when you change the ingredients and you actually say, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Maybe we should add this. Mm. And each context is different. So just because of what we do at Disney does not mean it's going to work in Harrisburg or, or, or in New England. Or, um, but and what worked in Harrisburg two years ago to, might not work today. I agree. So we have to think a little bit differently about, hey, some of our approaches to mission, some of the some of the uh, rhythms that we're walking in, mm-hmm. are going to change a little bit because of what's happening. I love the body of Christ. I love in 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 her messed up, screwed up form. Um, she is still the hope for the world, and and so. It's real easy to point fingers at people that are different from what we're doing. And it's easy for people to point fingers at us. And, and that's not going to do, that's not going to solve anything. But if we can, in love, look to each other and go, how can we help each other? And the, the Creo is part of that. How can we help each other become more fruitful and we can learn to become brighter uh, for the sake of the of the world to be able to see God's kingdom expand it's it's good to be honest it's good to be honest with each other always doing it in love oh, I appreciate that and I think that's a perfect place to pause our BS segment and I, I hope we actually do this again I hope we come back and we oh, make, this, more BS, we make sure. this a regular part because well that's the thing it's like we want to be transparent right right, right. Like, this is who we are we understand what we're saying is not, it's not carte blanche. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sit there and take away everything. Mm-hmm. We want to call a spade a spade right? and have an honest dialogue with people. And so this ends it for uh, I Call BS <laughs> and uh, we'll bring more to you in a little bit. Mm-hmm.